Attention audience, it's that time of the week again. We love it. We can't wait till it arrives. It's Friday, Friday, Friday Films. Da-da-da. That's right. Welcome back to Friday Films. Uh, Bond still in review. Going Indeed. strong because the end is near. The end to a is point. nigh. To a point. Well, We're getting yes. close. Yes. Um, but we are back with the last of the Pierce Brosman block, which I was excited to get into. I remember when we talked about Brosman, um, you had said this was the movie that you remember the most of, and Tomorrow Never Dies was the one that I remember the most of. Yeah. Um, not including Goldeneye. Yeah, next to uh, Goldeneye. Goldeneye was next the one I watched the yeah. most as a kid. But So Goldeneye was not the one I watched the most as Tomorrow Never Die was, but I re- Goldeneye came flying back to me, especially when I watched it in the video games and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that one's, you know, uh, you know, we don't talk about that one. We just put it to the side because that one doesn't count. Um, so once I got into this movie, I was like, all right, it's all coming back to me now. I remember this. There was a lot of things I, w- I forgot about, but there was a lot that I remembered too. I know we uh, we both said it was going to be pretty decent, and we had high hopes for it. But with that, I mean, do you just kind of want to jump into this and just get you know get through it? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Needless to say, it <laughs> it was just like little kid Eric would like little kid Eric loved this movie, and it is nostalgic for me. I've I've seen a lot of it, or well, not little kid Eric because I was. 14 when this movie came out 15 15 when this it movie counts I had so much fun with it uh, but uh looking at it from an analytical analytical perspective as a as a 30 30 plus year old man now it's uh it's definitely definitely different I was excited I was like oh man this movie is a lot better than I thought it was gonna be it was pretty good but then when we start breaking down the analytics we're like ah like you yep. reminded me that it wasn't as good as I thought it was but I'm hoping I kind of pointed out a couple things that were better than you thought. So, hoping, you know, it's <laughs> well, we will see what happens. So, Die Another Day released on November twenty second, two thousand two. Um, runtime of two hours and thirteen minutes. Directed by yet another new director, Lee Tamahori. Starring once again Pierce Brosnan and newcomer to the Bond franchise, Halle. Barry, little-known actress, you know, might know her as you know, Catwoman, one of her worst performances, Gothica, um, Swordfish. <laughs> it's actually, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I used a, um, a Catwoman reference later in the movie. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> uh, Budget of one hundred forty-two million dollars. So very high budget. Um, <clears throat> Bond movie compared to even even the last couple of Pierce Brosnan ones, and you can tell. I mean, it's kind of this movie's kind of like, I mean, this <laughs> spoiler alert. This movie's the Moonraker of the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> block, yeah. <laughs> where it's super uh, high budget, lots of lasers, <laughs> a lot of not uh, stuff that's not necessary to be put in the movie. Yeah, a bit of sacrifice for sci, you know sacrifice visual effects for for quality of film um unfortunately but you ready to kick off onto it kick into it not off onto it that makes no sense either way uh yeah so we start with the classic gun barrel like normal in color for those keeping track uh but i did notice the music was slightly off and 
correct me if I'm wrong because I, I tune out half of these gun intros since they're basically the same. But this is the first time I, you actually see the bullet come to. Yeah, like, yeah, you never see the bullet before. This is the first. <clears throat> I was time say, that I that didn't happens. think so. Yeah. Uh, but I did notice the music was slightly different, so I, I don't know why they kind of went that direction. I thought they were good with the classic intro. You gotta keep it, switch it up. The uh, Daniel Craig movies do a lot of weird stuff with the Bond. Like, like they're not even at the right. beginning. You know, they're at the end for a couple of the movies. You know, they don't even do the gun barrel thing at the beginning. Hmm. I don't think I've ever noticed um, that. Um, but from the gun barrel intro, we cut to a North Korean coast as Bond and his buddies surf their way to shore. Um, Bond's there with two other agents, and they are very, very good surfers, which we see in this beginning, and we will see again towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess surfing was super in in the early 2000s. Um, Sure. uh, They cut, they they arrive on shore and they cut the alarms and set up a mini little satellite dish from their surfboards, redirecting the course of a helicopter. As the helicopter lands, they intercept the guards and 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 the passenger who was on board. Bond assumes that passenger's identity and takes his suitcase full of diamonds with which Bond... Bond sets C4 underneath the diamonds in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. Cut to Colonel Tan Sun Moon's North Korean headquarters. They arrive on the base. We see Colonel Tan Sun, Tan Sun Moon, who is currently using a soldier as a punching bag. This dude's got yeah. some anger issues. And we find out that that dude in the body bag was his anger therapist. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Great job with the anger management. Good, sir. <laughs> when mm-hmm. Bond arrives, the colonel's I did think body... that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, when Bond arrives, the colonel's bodyguard, bodyguard Zhao takes a picture of Bond and sends it off to somebody unknown. Uh, we see a diamond exchange going down. Bond is selling these diamonds in exchange for awesome hovercrafts that can cross over landmines, which is a real thing that can occur in, in real life. Hovercrafts do not set off landmines. So wait, the hovercrafts were the weapons? I thought the weapons were like on the hovercrafts. And I, I thought the hovercrafts were just what they were using to transport the weapons in and out of the base. Either way, it doesn't matter. These mel- these these hovercrafts don't last for long. Um, I wish they spoiler would. alert. They um, but they're exchanging diamonds for hovercrafts or weapons on the hovercraft, either way. Um, and while the deal's going down, the colonel's showing off the weapons talking to Bond, you know, business is being made. Zhao gets a text message about Bond's true identity as 007. Mm-hmm. Pulls the Colonel Colonel Moon aside and shares that information. Colonel Moon then proceeds to play it super, super casual uh, and then just destroys Bond's helicopter and reveals that he knew, ha, 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 that you are a secret agent, Mr. Bond, and you thought mm-hmm. you could get away with this. Uh, gives the court order to kill Bond before getting a call from his pappy, who sees smoke on the horizon and is berating his son. I'll be right there. Take care of this. Uh, so the Colonel's like, daddy's coming. We got to hide, you know, hide the, hide the, the, the stuff we're not supposed to have, AKA the hovercrafts and the weapons, hide it, blah, go away. Poppy will be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was that much of a father son bonding in this movie. No, no, th- no see, not but... bonding, not bonding, but he's obviously afraid of his father. Um, uh. And intimidated by his father. But as Bond's being pulled away to be assassinated, he triggers the C4, causing diamond shards to cut up Zhao's face in a pretty cool looking way, and chaos mm-hmm. ensues. Bond proceeds to hijack a hover, hijack a 
hijacks. I cannot say the word hijacks. And that is in my notes way too many times going forward. So sit back, strap in, and enjoy the ride, ladies and gentlemen. Bond hijacks a hovercraft and uh, essentially just blows up the base. (laughs) Explosions are going everywhere. Bad things are happening to good people. Women and children screaming, crying in the streets. You know the gist. After Bond hijacks the hovercraft and blows up the base, he proceeds to chase down Colonel Mood. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in the James Bond franchise, we have a hovercraft chase. Now, I have to say, his exit out of the base was pretty cool because he's like... But I think he like shoots controls or something, and the door just slams, and then all you see is the hoverboat chasing him go smack straight Smash, into the door, was right into the wall. Yeah, it uh, was it, that was pretty cool. Um, throughout this chase, we have various shooting landmines and this you know couple things here and there. Uh, Bond essentially just takes out all but the last hovercraft, which has Colonel Moon on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond then you know jumps off his hovercraft onto Moon's. And they fight on top. Moon has a flamethrower because it looks cool. Yeah, say, I'm not, not gonna lie; it does look cool having a flamethrower in a hovercraft. I'll give him credit where credits due. There. They fight back and forth for a little bit, and we see that they're careening towards the edge of a cliff. Bond cranks up the speed on the hovercraft when 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 um, the colonel gets the advantage, causing the colonel to jerk back into the fan, and the fan the the pressure so high that he can't move he's stuck to the fan blades uh like on the outside of the cage you know like a like a grill Mm -hmm. like he's a giant piece of steak uh but he's stuck there (laughs) bond it's holding him in place as the craft crashes through a barrier and off the cliff as bond jumps out at the last minute holding on to a giant bell saved by the bell yep the colonel careens into the cliff into the rocks and water below and is presumed Bond makes the fun Saved by the Bell quip, hops down, Mm -hmm. and is instantly cornered by General Moon, Colonel Moon's father, his pappy, if you will, and is instantly taken captive by North Korea. And we cut to the intro song. Mm -hmm. Or, excuse me, fade into the intro song. Yeah. Now, I have to say, looking back on this intro, um... I actually enjoyed this intro a lot better than I thought I was going to. Most intros, I mean, they have little symbols here and there or little pictures in the background that kind of reference what the movie is going to be about. Mm-hmm. This one was straight up just a collage of Bond being tortured from the yeah. Koreans, which I thought was great. Like, it was like a really good intro because it's kind of like filling in the blanks between him being captured, beginning of intro, mm-hmm. to what's going on right after the intro. I, uh, I I agree. I really enjoyed that. The um, mm-hmm. with Bond's torture scenes being played in the background. What I did not enjoy is the e- the excessive use of CGI in it. Like having ice ice woman, fire woman, cool. The scene where the the fire and ice woman are help like like helping mm-hmm. Bond rise from the ground, cool. Um, but it was way too much CGI. And honestly, Madonna. She's great, but the song was not good. I did not like the song. It wasn't one of the best. I mean, it, it was catchy and worked for the movie. I will, I will say that. It was I, catchy, I was but better. it felt yeah. It was catchy, but it felt phoned into me. Like it didn't feel like. Yeah. 
a Bond song. It just felt like it felt like a Madonna song, not Madonna doing a Bond yeah, song. It kind of felt more like watching the music video than it was like an actual Bond. I, I get that. You yeah, definitely do. Yeah. Um, I did like a lot of the the silhouettes that they use, like the fire silhouettes, mm-hmm. and um, there were some nice, good transitions both in and out of like the torture scenes and the credits and back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Um, I liked some of the diamond filters they used mm-hmm. on it. So I mean, overall, I thought it was really decent intro uh yes there could have been uh, some improvements but they all could be at some point oh yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah there was uh just my my main point is too much cgi the cgi cgi mm-hmm. scorpions i really didn't care for um yeah and, and there you didn't was, even there have was, to have them in there there were so many scorpions in in that scene for them to have zero part Roughly, in the movie yeah. other mm-hmm. than when here, here in two or three scenes when they reference Scorpion Venom. That's the yeah. only time they're even mentioned in the whole movie. I think if they would have just had like the one scene where you see him laying down and there's some scorpions like climbing around or like one of them holding the scorpion, mm-hmm. just like that one or two scenes would have been, been done. That's that's yeah. all they needed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's the time frame where CGI was becoming more of a thing and, you know, they wanted to put more and more in into these movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Early 2000s. I, I get it. Um, from the intro song, we cut to 14 months later. A long-haired, grizzled, and bearded Bond is still imprisoned. He is taken to meet General Moon. Um, General Moon has a conversation, interrogates him about who is, who is my son's contact in the West, you know, who caused him to betray his, 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 his country, and Bond's like, listen... Your guess is as good as mine, but it's the same mm-hmm. person that betrayed me. So, you know, I want to find out as bad, if not more, if not more than you. So, you know, I, I got nothing though, yeah. homie. Bond's then immediately taken to a foggy bridge where he's, it's presumed that he's to be killed by firing squad. Ger- General Moon interrogates Bond one last time about his son's ally in the West. And Bond is ordered to walk out on the bridge. As he takes a couple steps into the fog, the firing squad leaves, and Bond's like, WTF? Like, yeah. All right. Then he hears an American voice from the other side of the bridge and was like, oh, no, I know what's happening here. Bond proceeds to walk through the vo- fog and comes across Zhao. Bond is being traded for Zhao with the awesome diamond facial mm-hmm. piercings as well. Uh, once once they swap swap places and Bond gets to the other side, he's taken immediately. Instantly, he's knocked out via some drug to the neck and yeah. taken to be medically examined before waking in a glass room with him on the other side. I was say, you could tell that wasn't a good welcome because he was just kind of like went to raise his hand and wave at everybody, and he was just like, gotcha, yeah. <laughs> from behind. And this was the only part where they mentioned the scorpion venom is when he's knocked out and they're analyzing him they're like it looks like he was stung and you know stung and given the antidote multiple times part of it was torture yeah only time about scorpions uh but when he wakes up with him on the other side of the glass room they have a conversation about bond being set up by some contact from the west and that there were signals coming out of bond's prison he was the only prisoner so the only reason they made the swap for him is they thought he cracked 
and was giving away yeah. secrets. Which, and it wasn't even uh, M's decision. It was, <clears throat> was it NSA we, we come to find out? Yeah, it was Whoever the, the other government Falco, was. Falco from the NSA. Okay, I never paid attention um, to his name because he's only referenced, and he's only in there a few times. Like when twice, Bond's, yeah. yeah. Right there when Bond's coming over the bridge, he's there and says something, and then M and then talks about him, and then he's towards the end. But uh, yeah. it was like his idea to bring Bond back because M's like, I would have left you. Yeah. But that's part of the game. Disclosure. We know that. I would have left you. Yeah. And Bond's like, you know me, I know the deal, you know, uh, you know, I know the deal, you're captured, you don't talk, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And M, M asked, I, and I remember M asking, like, you know, you know, why didn't, you know, where's your cyanide? Why didn't you take your cyanide? And Bond's like, I threw that away years ago. And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Bond's like, I'm not dying. I just tough, tough it out. Uh, so they have a brief conversation about Bond being set up by that contact from the West, and Bond wants to hunt them, hunt them down, but M says no. He's too much of a liability. Bond's double O status has been stripped from him. Mm-hmm. Until he becomes useful again, I think it was her exactly, words. Exactly, exactly. So Bond decides to have a little bit of a lie down and lowers lowers his heart rate, simulating cardiac arrest while he flashes back to being tortured. When the doctors come over, doctors and nurses come over to, to resuscitate him. He uses the paddles on the sh- to, on the doctors to shock them, and then proceeds to sneak off the boat. Um, when he arrives at shore, he checks into a Chinese hotel that he's a regular at. Mm-hmm. Has a nice shave and a haircut. A masseuse arrives, but she not she not she not no real masseuse. No, she's not. She's not a real masseuse. No. She's not that kind of masseuse, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's oh, right. no, I, I got you. That's right. That's right. Bond immediately discovers a gun on her and shoots the closet, the glass in the closet where Chang, the gentleman from the front desk, is hiding in the closet. Bond's like, Chang, listen, I've know you, I know you've been Chinese intelligence for years. We're not mm-hmm. here for you. Hong Kong's safe, whatever. It's all good. Bond makes a deal with Chang to get into North Korea. Cut to downstairs where Chang has given Bond travel arrangements and a passport to Cuba, where Zhao was last seen, according to his intelligence. Mm-hmm. Cut to Havana, which this whole, all of these next scenes, everything in Cuba I love. Yes. Everything in Cuba I, 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 I 100% love. Well, we've even said pretty much up... The, uh, up to this point, it's been a good intro and a good start of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, the first third of this movie is awesome. So we cut to Havana, Cuba, where Bond meets with a Cuban contact uh, who manages to get Zhao's location at a gene therapy clinic off the coast. Mm-hmm. Bond then asks to borrow a fast car, and man, we've got Havana Nights Bond. Hawaiian <laughs> shirt, cigar, six-shooter revolver. In an old school 1960s Chevy. I mean, it was just Havana Bond. I like Havana Bond. I'll watch a whole movie of Havana Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would saying. too. Um, Bond takes the car to a hotel where he can see the clinic across the water. And we get the very sexy reveal of Halle Berry as Jinx mm-hmm. Johnson. They immediately hit things off and flirt like none other. Bond claiming to be an ornithologist here to view the birds. Mm-hmm. Jinx is like, "What do you? What do you? What do you got to look at tonight?" And he's like, "No owls at no owls in Cuba. Yeah. I got nothing to do till morning. What about you?" Yeah. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we cut to hard sexy time. Like we've had sexy <laughs> yes. time in Bond movies, but this is 
hard sexy time. This is new time. level. And I'm not was... talking the Xena on a top sexy time from from Goldeneye. No, this is like this is like Tom Cruise in in Top Gun sexy time. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there was there was knives and fruit and stuff involved in this. I mean, there, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was it was pretty intense. Uh, the next morning, Bond wakes up alone and goes to his window to see Jinx leaving by boat headed to the therapy clinic. Odd. Bond then proceeds to go down the hallway with a wheelchair and just knock out an asshole that was at the bar the night before. <laughs> yeah. Perfect disguise. Puts him in said wheelchair and uses his documents to get onto the island and into the clinic. <laughs> hey, Spycraft 101, you use what you got. Improvise, right? Mm-hmm. Bond, once he's in the clinic, Bond comes across, he sneaks around for a little bit, and he comes across a camera pointed at a blank wall and finds himself a nice secret door. I like how he gets there, too. Like, he uses the wheelchair guy as a distraction, too. Yeah, he just kind of shoves him down, rolls <laughs> him down the, the hallway, wall. and he falls out. Yeah. <laughs> Once Bond finds the secret door, we cut to Jinx meeting with the doctor, the head doctor of the clinic, who's explaining how the the g- gene therapy works. Mm-hmm. As soon as he's done explaining it, she just kills him instantly, double tap in the chest, and proceeds to begin burning her paperwork and hacking his computer for files. So we now know Jinx is not... Who she Just says she a is. sexy woman on the beach, you know. That's true. While she's really good at being a sexy woman on a beach, on a beach, she's not just a sexy woman on the beach. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, when she's hacking into the computer, she's pulling up information on Zhao. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, Bond keeps working his way through the facility and finds Zhao undergoing treatment to become a German. He sees the whole process and everything, and. This is how this is how Zhao looks now. He's like halfway through the process. Yep. Uh, Jinx then finds the plans on the doc's computer about Zhao as well, and then Zhao wakes up and Bond and Zhao start fighting. Well, Zhao wakes up because Bond squeezes the morphine or whatever the hell. Yeah, the Bond purposely stuff. wakes him up to try. And yeah, in his veins, but that yeah. only lasts for two sque- two squeezes before Zhao jumps up and starts whipping some ass. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, Zhao whips ass. Bond is absolutely losing this fight. Uh, cut back to Jinx briefly, where she sets a bomb in the doctor's office. During that, the fight with Zhao, Bond manages to rip a, a necklace off of off of him, and Zhao escapes through the doctor's window as the bomb goes off, which seals the the yep. the path behind him, keeping Bond from following him. Because at this point, um, Jinx and Bond you know pass each other in the hall. Pass each other. In Jinx the hall. left the office after mm-hmm. setting the bomb and. Bond chases Zal into the office and Zal goes through the window, but that's when the explosion goes off before Bond could even chase after him. Indeed. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> during the, in the office, Bond spots Jinx's, Jinx's burnt paperwork and is like, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Jinx then gives chase to Zal as well, um, pulling out her excessively large pistol for a woman her size. No judgments. It was a really big gun. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Uh, I'm 6'5", and it would be a big gun if I was holding it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, She begins to chase Zhao and takes pot shots at him as he gets on a helicopter. Meanwhile, Bond uses some oxygen tanks to just blow open the wall of the office. (laughs) I really enjoyed this scene, too, to show Uh, the the differences between the two characters. The style, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Zhao manages to escape on the helicopter, and Jinx is cornered by guards on top of um, on top like of the this wall. Wall. Mm-hmm. Where she is like, it's no problem. Strips down to her bikini and just dives backwards into the water where there's a boat waiting for her. She hops on the boat. She gives Bond a little, a little wave. And we cut back to Bond, who's on top of the... I don't know why the guards had no problem with him. Like, yeah, I noticed that too. Like My She jumps off and the guards were like, there. oh, well, we lost her. And then just leaves where this is the dude that just blew open the wall of the facility <laughs> and came running out wielding a six-shooter. You know, well, the only you had thing no problem I could, with this man, though. The only thing I could think is I watched that scene, too, and I'm like, what just happened? Why did they leave Bond? Is it when she jumped, the guards were looking down at her and they start running to try and figure out how to get down there real quickly. No one even ran past Bond. They ran in the opposite direction. So no one even turned around to look at Bond. Either Bond way, just kind of like walked to the edge like, of the wall. Bond was I know, like he was like four right feet him. from him. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why they didn't give him any trouble. Because he's got the revolver in his hand and stuff. But I guess maybe because he wasn't shooting, he was just running around with a gun and everyone has a gun in, in Havana. I don't know. Well, it... Or because honestly, he was chasing I, get, I can I can excuse it because there are, there are things in this movie that it gets way worse of. Why? <laughs> no, that's very true. That's very true. This is still one of the better parts uh, of the movie. We're still in the good parts. Uh, but Bond opens the necklace, Zhao's necklace and finds some diamonds. We cut back to that, the diamonds that look oddly reminiscent to the African conflict diamonds that he was dealing with in the very beginning of the movie. Yes. <sighs> Spoilers. We cut to James Bond and his Cuban contact, who I love, by the way, investigating yeah, the diamonds and discovering that they are chemically identical to African conflict diamonds. But... They have the laser-etched emblem of Gustav Graves on them. What does that mean? Who is this Gustav Graves? We'll find out shortly. That's right. That's right. Cut to M and Falco, the the NSAM, arguing over Bond's, Bond's escape. I love how we cut to the scene, too, because it literally starts with Money Penny eavesdropping on the conversation yes. as Roberts walks into the room and says something like, oh, anything good on or catching anything? In-? I can't remember what, exactly what he says, but he makes some reference because he, he pretty much walks in with her eavesdropping on the speakerphone. <laughs> yep. Uh, but they're arguing over, Fal- or Falco and M are arguing over Bond's escape, and M's doing a pretty good job of defending him but not defending him, going, listen, that's what he was trained to do. Like, yeah. I mean, what, yeah. the, what do you expect? <laughs> pretty much. What do you want from me here, man? Um, and we cut to Bond on a flight back to jolly old England with the Clash's London Calling playing as he reads a magazine article about Gustav Graves. Mm-hmm. Um, like that little shortcut. And uh, we cut immediately to Parliament, English Parliament. There's a whole lot of reporters and whatnot there. There's this woman there. And we see a man jump out of a plane with the... Union Jack parachute as he parachutes down, lands in front of the par- parliament, and press starts asking him all sorts of questions about the Icarus space program. Ladies and gentlemen, right. gentlemen, this is Gustav Graves, the million slash billionaire diamond fortune who's also doing a space program and stuff. And he's he a real was- seeker and he's super action oriented. I think they even one of them even said something about him being knighted too. So I mean, he's just one of these like all of a sudden big shots. Yeah, he was guys. he was there to be knighted. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's why he was there. He was there to be knighted. So he's that's a, right because he makes a comment about uh, not wanting to leave the queen waiting, waiting or something like that. Yeah, so he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, kind of a big deal. Out of nowhere type big. Deal. Out of nowhere, overnight success, if you will. Um, from here, we cut to a fencing club where Madonna makes her cameo in the movie, and has way too many locked talking speaking lines for somebody who's not a trained actress. Because it comes off as somebody who's not a trained actress. And I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm not an actor. Um, but I'm also not being called to do Bond movies. So, <laughs> Not yet anyway, right? <laughs> not yet anyway. J- judge me, if you will, when that happens, which will never happen. But No, no, we're going to find a way to put you in one of the Bond movies later down the road. And I'll, to, I'll see my what one connections request. I can pull. My one request, if I'm in a Bond movie, is my name has to be Frank. Uh, no, that's what and I was going to ha- say. And I have to be taken out by Bond. That's no, my that, only that, request. That's, that's what I was going to say. I'll have to pull some strings somehow with what connections I don't have and find a way to write you into a Bond film as Frank. Plain and simple. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but Madonna and Bond have a brief conversation about Miranda Frost, Gustav's publicist um, and friend. <clears throat> oh, that's right. Uh, Madonna was supposed to be his... Uh, weapons trainer or fencing trainer or something like that until he spots um, Frost and Graves. Yeah, because Frost is like an Olympic-level fencer. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, they have a conversation back and forth. They talk about stuff and things and and whatnot, but nothing very pertinent to the story. So we'll move on. Bond and Gustav are then introduced by Madonna's character, and Gustav just looks at him square in the face and asks, who have we met before? Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I know you. Or maybe I feel like you should know me. Spoiler alert. Incoming. <laughs> For those of you who have not watched this movie, I'm dropping mad, mad hints. So <laughs> Yes, you are. If you haven't figured it out yet, you, you should. I'm just saying. <laughs> Remember, uh, they, still they, the good they, parts of this movie. That's right. Bond and Gustav then go into a giant dick measuring contest. And uh, Bond bets one of Gustav's diamonds against their fencing bout. They're having a little fencing fight. Well, it's funny because they, they start the fencing fight. And then well, I think it's Gustav mm-hmm. 2, Bond 0. And then Bond mm-hmm. hits him in the hand or something. That it just annoys him and then shows him the diamond and ups the wagers. Ups the wager. And then we start fighting with real swords. Yes. Um, huge sword fight. They start out with like... The real version, the rapiers, the real version of fencing mm-hmm. swords. Then they go on to broadswords. And then for a moment, there's a samurai sword. I think there's an axe somewhere in this fight. Just there's all <laughs> yeah. sorts of swords going around. Because I think they and finish we, with like medieval knight swords. That's right. And we figure out that Graves is a super angry dude. He gets mad yeah. real quick. And it's um, like it's not even like they were in the room. They left the room. They're fighting oh yeah, through they the halls. They were just destroying this down, whole place. St- yeah, yeah, like yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Miranda Frost breaks up this fight just as Bond gets a cut on Gustav's chest and and wins the bout. Uh, Gustav immediately calms down and goes, "Good win. Meet me downstairs and I'll and I'll pay up." And Bond's left standing there like, "What the fuck? This is definitely yep. the bad guy, right? Like like anyone? You guys see this? He's absolutely <laughs> the bad guy, right? Like, am I the only one seeing this? Because it was it was uh." The wagers were first blood from torso because yeah. I know they were punching each other in the face and stuff for a while. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I just love the look on Brosnan's face when when yeah. Gustav just immediately calms down and 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 leaves, and Bond's standing there still holding the sword. Like, I, I, d- d- like, is this a normal <laughs> yes. thing for you people? Like, 
Why do you accept this kind of behavior? Um, yeah, I did like that. That that whole scene was really, really good. But I definitely liked Brosman at the, towards the end of that. Brosman's like, you could tell. Bond was like, uh, this is yeah, the bad this, guy. <laughs> yeah, case closed. I don't Look mean, no farther. Yeah. Um, or if this isn't the bad guy for this particular plot, he will be in the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Downstairs, Grave, after settling up, invites Bond to the Icarus to his Icarus space program demonstration in Iceland. Bond, before leaving the fencing club, gets a message with a key and goes down into the British subway system where he's, had, where he's met by M. This is an abandoned station for abandoned agents. I like that line a lot. Yeah. I like this. I like this scene, the subway scene, yeah, he's, where he's like. I never thought I'd be here. I thought it was just a myth. Never thought yeah. I'd be here. And she's like an abandoned station for abandoned agents. They have a little chat about uh, Gustav Graves and their mutual sus- mutual suspicions. And M says, well, look at you, Bond. Looks like you've become useful again. Yep. I like that line. <laughs> and I, I forget there's another line where I forget exactly what's said, but Bond pretty much goes, well, maybe I can get on with my job. Which, which I thought was kind of funny because it was like the whole time everyone's questioning Bond's loyalty. And meanwhile, Bond's like, hey, I've just spent five years, I think it was, being tortured. And his first thing that he wants to do is go back to work. <laughs> so, I mean, like you really have to question his loyalty there. <laughs> um, and then from here, we cut to. We cut to Q time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Q time for for the Die Another Day or for the film Die Another Day in the James Bond in review. Friday films completely fucked that up <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different Q time because we don't have necessarily a, a product to offer you today. Um, we more have more more or less have an experience to offer you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Q Labs was ahead of the curve in 2002. Now, virtual reality is commonplace, but back in the day, it was unheard of. It was it was absolutely unheard of, especially on levels that we have here. That's right. We are introducing the Bond VR experience. You remember GoldenEye, the video game, 1996. Great game. Iconic game. Looks like dog shit today. Bond <laughs> VR experience is not that. You can live out all of your Bond fantasies. Is MI6 taken over by bad guys? You can shoot every single one of them. Oh no, Money Penny's dead. Don't worry about it. It's all fake. It's an experience. It's VR. It's virtual reality. It's a training exercise. Good for both military or recreational use. But ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's the only product we really have to offer you in, in this Q time. Um, Q time is actually going to be changing directions for the next few moments. Uh, so So bear with us because we're going from Q time to antiques roadshow the q edition uh q labs <laughs> has been working hard collecting all these relics from past missions all of the stuff that bond throws away or gets destroyed or just is trashed on the side of the road in some eastern european country to be found by some casual passerby well q labs has worked so hard to collect these relics from the past we have worked tirelessly to recover the history of 007 and MI6. We have found the briefcase knife from From Russia with Love. 
That's right. The briefcase knife. We've recovered that and the whole briefcase. We've recovered the jetpack from a movie. I don't remember off the top of my head because it was only in the very beginning of the movie. (laughs) We have recovered the stabby shoe from from Russia with love. Um, All of these get all of these gadgets that we're finding from the past and, and, and collecting and preserving the history and the saga that is James Bond in an attempt to honor the true Q Desmond Llewellyn. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. As we mentioned in the last episode, good old Desmond Llewellyn is not the Q anymore. R himself, John Cleese, has been promoted to Q. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad thing. So, now that we're transitioning from nostalgia, let's go into some new toys. Well, I was going to say real quick, um, there was rumors going around in the the Q labs uh, maybe you can shed some light on this to our audience real quick, uh, that all this money we've been raising from all the sales for yes, the, from the gadgets absolutely. and all these movies has been um, being saved up and, and going towards a Q uh, museum, a memorial museum. for Indeed. For Q. I, the, I uh, the, At least the, that's, that's been the talk around the shop anyway. Indeed. The, uh, the, the, the Q Time Subway Sandwich Memorial Museum. That's right. Yes. Uh, that's that's what this has all been building up to. That's what the all of these show, all of your donations tonight on this telethon. Strap in, ladies and gentlemen. We've got twelve more hours on this telethon. Telethon. You didn't know. You thought you were getting into the usual hour and a half podcast. No, no. This is a twelve-hour telethon, ladies and gentlemen. Call in your donations now. I know it's not a live show. Doesn't matter. Call them in anyway. <laughs> There may or may not be someone there to answer. There may or may not be there someone to answer your phone. Who knows? We appreciate the call either way. Um, so, all right, I'm going to stop. I've, I've got off the rails too much. Again, 5%, well worth it. Well worth 5% it. preparation. Well worth it. Every, every minute. Um, so going off the rails, so we'll, we'll touch on for a minute. I'm gonna, I'll go on a little bit more serious note on this one, though. The, uh, the new car. We are deviating. We did deviate away, deviate away from the BMWs for the first time in mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan. In Pierce Brosnan, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been Aston Martins in the previous Brosnan movies, but they haven't been like the main car of the movie. It's been no, like they haven't personal been like car Bond that you movies. see in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one's a new Bond car, the Aston Martin V12 Vanquish, which I, to this day, love this car. Yeah, it was always one of my favorite. Um, Aston I Martins. love it. The Vanquish, the DB9, which we'll see in the next movie. I, mm-hmm. I love this style of Aston Martin. It's it's phenomenal. Um, but the thing that makes this one unique, which was really, really cool when I was young, now that I'm a, I'm a big boy, I thought it was kind of dumb, was the, <laughs> the, the Harry Potter invisibility cloak aspect of the car. <laughs> oh, come on. The nope, Vanquish no. or the Vanish, the a.k.a. the Vanish. But uh, it is it is the invisible car. That's the big gimmick. Later on, we'll get to the point where there's a car chase scene, and this thing just they pull out every freaking Bond gadget in the book oh, for yeah. this car to use. Um, it's it's in, in, insane to keep up with. But <clears throat> you mentioned this when we were talking before recording, Jordan. There's a very special moment between Q and Bond in reference to this car that you really enjoyed. 
Yeah, so they, uh, the, the funny thing is that I, I made reference to this outside of recording weeks ago. Yeah. This was one of the few times I really remember from this movie. Uh, when Bond and Q are going back and forth with this car, they have a couple quicks back and forth. But, um, you know, Q mentions about how the car was the Vanquish, but they like to call it the Vanish because it went invisible and all. And how it has the heat-seeking missiles and this and that and the um, automatic machine guns and this and that. Um and one of the things the Q does is he hands the manual to Bond, which is like super thick. It's like phone book or bigger thick. And he's like, there you go. He's like, you should be able to shoot through that in a couple of hours. And Bond like takes it and throws it up in front of the car and the automatic machine guns lock on and like blow it to pieces. <laughs> and he's like, oh, actually, it took me a couple seconds. <laughs> and Q goes, sometimes I wish I could make you vanish and then walks out. Um, yeah. John Cleese does make a good uh, a good cue. He, he, he does. Um, I um, hate that we don't get to see more of him in the future, but yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and then real quick, just because I know it makes appearances later on in the movie, there was another gadget that uh, Q gave Bond before the car when they were walking around all the old school like memorial gadgets. Uh, if you remember, he gave Bond a ring. It was like a sonic ring that could break the glass. Sonic ring, yes. Yep. <clears throat> and not the, the rings you collect when playing Sonic the Hedgehog. It's not those kind of rings. This is just like a regular, like, plain wedding ring that you spin and then just creates a, a sonic blast that shatters glass. Uh, I kind of wish it boom. was Sonic the Hedgehog ring because those are kind of cool. The problem is you can never have enough of them. You got to keep collecting them. That's <laughs> the only problem with those. Well, yeah, it's because you got to go fast. And you can't lose them. Indeed. And they also make reference of his 20th watch as well, which I thought was good because this is his 20th film. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah, they did make reference to that. He did give him a new um, watch, but it was nothing fancy. He just put it on and kept on walking. Exactly. So I didn't uh, pay close attention to that one. So they fr- we cut from Q time to M meeting with Miranda Frost. We mm-hmm. find out she's an MI6 agent as well. Mm-hmm. She's well. And they're talking about James Bond, how he's a blunt instrument, and she... Miranda Frost obviously just doesn't seem to like Bond very much. But we find out that she's been assigned to Gustav, the Gustav Graves case for three years. And it's turned up next to nothing despite volunteering for the case. I'm just saying yeah, that would have tipped suspicious. off anybody, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Much less a spy organization. There's another part that I want to hit on later in the movie. Uh, about their little meeting and like her not turning anything up after three years that made me even more suspicious. I'm like, how would you not know this? Um, but I mean, that's later on, so we'll get back to it. But real quick, before we jump to the next scene, I just want to make a quick reference. When you were talking about the VR, I know we jumped in the queue time, but that whole scene in the VR scene, I thought was really good. Like, And I remember after watching it you know, multiple times in the past, I already yeah. knew what was happening. But I remember the first time watching it when I was like, that initial shock, like, what just happened? And then you realize it was a VR, like it wasn't real. You're like, oh, okay. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it literally goes from like M and Bond in the tunnels to Bond cleaning his gun and someone's attacking in, in the, his office. The office, right? Yeah. And I kept getting that scene mixed up with the intro to um, the last movie when um, he was doing the boat chase scene and he was mm-hmm. running through the building. Like I kept thinking those two combined merged together. Yeah, yeah. Until I watched this movie, and I was like, oh. This is that scene. I was like, I remember Bond running through the office, and the office was under attack, and people were dying. Like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the VR glasses. Never mind. I'm okay. We're cool. It was a pretty good cut, though. It was. It um, was a really good transition. 
But after the conversation between M and Miranda Frost, we cut to Iceland, where Bond arrives in the beautiful silver Aston Martin at at Gustav's Ice Palace and is greeted by Mr. Kill. And Bond makes the fun quip of, that's a name to die for. thought that was kind of funny. I remember him making a quip, but I didn't yeah. actually catch the guy's yeah. name. Man's name is Mr. Kill, and Bond's like, Bond's like, that's a name to die for. <laughs> Uh, as Gustav arrives in his rocket car, yet again, they make a very firm point for little to no reason that he's a extreme sports junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he arrives via rocket car. They have a little chat uh, where they're met by Miranda Frost. And Frost takes Bond to his room as we see none other than Halle Berry. Jinx Johnson arrives as well. Did you catch, if I'm not mistaken, she pulled up in an older Aston Martin. Yes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. I was like, hmm. Makes uh-huh. you wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> we then cut to Bond going to a party where he meets Jinx right away. These two are just drawn together. Uh, for a, They have a little chat back and forth for a moment, and we cut to the important bit of this scene where we see Zhao arriving. Mm-hmm. at this same facility where he arrives he walks to the facility and we see Gustav is undergoing the same gene therapy huh interesting he, he takes off the mask stands up stares at Zhao and they greet each other as brothers that's right Gustav is the presumed dead Colonel Moon from the beginning of the movie if you hadn't watched the movie and you didn't pick up on that with the number of drops I made, I am sorry for you <laughs> yet again. It's very clear from the beginning of this movie who the bad guy is. <laughs> it's very true. And this is uh, essentially where the tables turn. Indeed. This is where this movie goes off the rails. And not going to lie, to its credit, it goes off the rails hard. Yes. I I, I admire a a... Uh, a glorious train wreck, if you will. There's something elegant about it. And it's, uh, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> there's something elegant about a train wreck. Train wreck. It's still horrible, tragic, and you don't want to see it, but you kind of want to see it. You know? Yeah. That's basically what this movie is. It's a giant train wreck from here on out, but it's still fun to watch. <laughs> so it's enjoyable uh, to watch, but it's a train wreck. <laughs> well, and like we, we had talked earlier about how this movie has two two parts of it. There's like the first half, which was great, and then there's the second half, which isn't so great. And yeah. now we're in that second half where so I'll go to break into to I'll break into the but, analogy that you and I said beforehand is like yes. fr- from from before here is a it's a it was a really good movie for me. Before here, this was like Pierce Brosnan's license to kill. Yes. From hereafter this is Moonraker. And True. you remember how both Jordan and I butchered Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> it, was not, it was not the best Bond movie. So we'll see where this one nets out when it's all said and done. Now, now don't get me wrong. There are some really good scenes and there's things I enjoyed about the tail end of this movie. But it was not put together as well as the first half of the movie. I will give you that. Yeah. I, I think that they could have done a lot better, especially with the pivot point. Like mm-hmm. the whole introduction to... Uh, moon being graves and so on i just don't think it was the umph they needed i think they could have held that longer and kicked more yeah. in a little bit but anyway we'll get back into it yeah it could have been a little bit more deeper if you will exactly um, yeah and not just hey 
What's up, brother? <laughs> cool. So How they greet been? they greet each other as brothers, uh, and so now Gustav is Colonel Moon. We know that for a fact. Back at the party, Frost, Bond, and Jinx have a little chat, a little bit of sexual innuendo before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before we cut to Gustav beginning his demonstration outside. Demonstration of Icar- Icarus, which is a satellite that reflects and harnesses the sun's light anywhere on Earth um, to provide sunlight and gardening and, and blah, blah, blah for, for the benefit of mankind. It's a cover. In reality, it's just a giant laser weapon, but we'll just, get there. Just a death beam, a death heat ray beam. Exactly. <clears throat> Some might call it a Death Star, if you will. But if you notice, <laughs> oh, sorry, this presentation, wrong franchise. My apologies. Wrong franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened to Frank's kids. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you notice during his presentation, Jinx disappears. Mon's talking mm-hmm. to her and then turns over and she's gone. She's gone. Like a fart. Just vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but. But yeah, anyway, after the demonstration, Bond spots General Moon, the colonel's father, is at the event as well. After the event, Bond proceeds to hop in his nice little invisible Aston Martin to spy on the transportation of the Icarus control case. Yep, Uh, he follows it when they walk off with it. To the diamond mine slash greenhouse slash whatever this place is. (laughs) In the middle of a frozen tundra. (laughs) I think that was supposed to be the mine. Yeah. There but was, it's there was also got a greenhouse in it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because, <laughs> well, the mine was a cover. There wasn't actually a mine. And but that sure. was supposed to be the mine. And then there was the hotel part of it. Like, there yeah. was the two parts. Because they explained how... Yeah, um, it's the hotel and then the diamond the mine, mine. And then, yeah, the diamond mine. And that was also Graves' personal... Area. Like, yeah. living area and all that. So that's probably why there was a greenhouse. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but Bond's tracking the uh, transportation of the control case. Inside, we see Gustav get acquainted with one of his, his new toys, his little control gauntlet that we find out has been installed with a 100,000-volt defense mechanism. Um, <laughs> the start of the Iron Man armor. It begins. <laughs> it begins. And we get there towards the end, man. <laughs> I know. I forgot all about that because I'm like, oh, yeah, the gauntlet. Yeah, eh, that's yeah. not too bad. And then you Again, get to the, for the end, no like, reason, uh, <laughs> no yeah, reason. No. <laughs> uh, but we'll get there. Uh, outside, Bond gets out of the car and keeps to spy through the windows like a little creeper, and gets spotted instantly by just a random guard who attempts to attempts to take Bond into custody, and Bond just immediately knocks him out, and mm-hmm. alarms instantly go off. This That's is because the the, uh, the kill guy, whatever you said his name was, it was inside that Bond was spying. Oh, on. that's when right. When Bond and, punched and, that guy, he turned he around and turned looked through and the looked. window and saw Bond punching him. That's right. And he that's was the right. one that set off the alarm. Um, so the alarms go off, and Bond waits and triggers a pressure valve, taking out two more guards as he runs away. And we see for a very strange cut that Gustav and Zhao are alerted as well. That's the, they make no reference to it later. Um, yeah. As Bond's running away, he's pulled aside by Miranda Frost, who kisses him, and they make out as a little cover. Uh, meanwhile, she berates him endlessly at the same time. Uh, Mr. Kill and friends leave while Frost is, is berating Bond and, and, and make it out. And there's a couple little sexual quips here, which I thought were kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, because 
I like how she was like, oh, yeah, are the guards gone? He's like, oh, yeah, they've been gone for a while. Gone for a while. <laughs> just, been, just been enjoying the ride at this point. <laughs> so they proceed to go back to, to the hotel room together to maintain the charade. Meanwhile, Jinx Johnson is breaking into the facility. She's dropping down like what? Like Catwoman. There you Catwoman go, style. I even have that in my notes. This is what I was referring to. <laughs> Jinx breaks into the mining facility Catwoman style. There you go. There is my notes. <laughs> there, there's my movie reference. Style. <laughs> I did. I was like, breaks into the mining facility. Catwoman style. Um, we cut back to the hotel room where Bond and Miranda are now having sexy time. She seems to have been warmed over on Bond, if you will. So uh, she bon- betrays. Indeed. Bond puts his gun traditionally under his pillow. Occupational habit. That's true. As he says, now it's an occupational habit, but it's something different in a few scenes. And mm-hmm. he and Frost make the sexy time. Meanwhile, Jinx continues to investigate the facility and finds Zhao undergoing the gene therapy, but is immediately electrocuted by Gostov. Gustav, 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 Gustav. <laughs> this isn't Beauty and the Beast. Gustav, <laughs> um, and his and his little Iron Man gauntlet. Uh, back in the room, post sexy time, Frost gives back Bond gives Bond his gun from under the pillow as he prepares to go start some shit. Yeah, I mean, that's like be the, careful. that's like the we're about to start shit scene where you know you got a naked lady in your bed and you're just putting on like tactical gear. And she hands you your gun. That's the the next scene is like Rambo. That's basically what goes down. Yeah. Or, or does it? Because back at the facility, we see Zhao interrogating Jinx with lasers and an unnecessary amount of slow mo. Like, did you yes. catch that? Did you catch that scene of like he just? Yeah. He's not even doing anything. He he just walks around her and flips his coat, and they make it slow mo. Yeah. Why? Why did they slow mo him flipping his coat? I don't get it. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. It's like the is whole it, second half really of this movie. Mo? The whole second half of this movie is like John Woo meets Star Wars. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's now, all here's a question. Asian action and slow mo mixed with lasers and spaceship. It's weird. <laughs> was it slow mo or was it just the <clears throat> DVD? You know stalling and be like i don't know what to play next no it was slow-mo it was bad 2002 <laughs> slow-mo is what it was because it happens more than once we love this movie <laughs> it we happens really do later on in the movie best it, bond movie ever it is a fun ride ladies and gentlemen i'm not gonna lie but that's not gonna stop me from torching this sucker <laughs> no surprisingly a very enjoyable movie it is for as <laughs> not of a good bond movie as this may be indeed um Unnecessarily slow slow mo movement, uh, uh, bleh, whatever I just said. <laughs> Bond proceeds to use his laser watch to melt a hole in the ice, and swims down back into the facility. Meanwhile, Zhao gives Mister Kill the order to kill Jinx, but he wants to have fun, and use the awesome laser engraving tools to kill her. But first, so he he goes Goldfinger style. And, 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 and starts, you know, a slow laser going towards her neck rather than just getting the job over with, right? Yeah, and I liked um, Zhao's comment where he said, the mind may be fake, but the lasers are real. Yeah, yeah, the mind might be fake. <laughs> like, getting lasers into that scene was really real. cool. 
Like, oh, okay, that's not like a, a bad guy monologue portraying <laughs> what's going on around me at all. Um, but Bond gets back into the facility and finds Jinx's entry point, her little you know drop down location, cable, yeah. and continues on to find her uh, about to get decapitated via laser. And we start a laser fight, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of firsts in this movie. We have the first first surfing. We have, uh, well, that's well, a lie. Not technically, yeah, say not technically <laughs> first surfing. That's a lie. But uh, actual surfing. Cause but we actual had, surfing. You know. Uh, so we've got the first surfing. We've got the first hovercraft, hovercraft chase. Now we have the first laser fight with mm-hmm. Mr. Kill. They go back and forth. Lasers are going everywhere. Jinx is making fun, fun quips. Um, yeah. Bond's fighting Mr. Kill. Mr. Kill gets the advantage and has Bond against the ropes. And Jinx, while she's tied up, she manages to get a hold of the laser control and lines it up right behind Mr. Kill. Boring, melting a hole in the back of Mr. Kill's head to the point that it comes out of his mouth. Rather grotesque scene, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And he drops dead. Uh, Bond releases Jinx, and they proceed to share information about, hey, you know, you're a spy. You're a spy. I knew you were a spy. I also knew you were a spy. We're working for the same team. You're NSA. I'm British intelligence. We're yeah, good guys. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a down. We could have been a team from the beginning, but yay, go team now. <laughs> and it's also around this time that Bond starts putting two two together while Jinx mentions that uh yes. he found Zhao in the same d- device that they saw at the islands in the Havana. Yeah, and it couldn't have been transported. It had to have already been here. Uh, so Bond puts two and two together about Graves and Zhao, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I know what's going on. Graves yep. is the colonel. So Bond sends Jinx off to go get Frost, saying she's MI6. She'll, you know, she'll, she'll help. And Bond goes to meet Graves. And That's right, because uh, Bond found out that Miranda was MI6, MI6 in the, the, in the kissy, kissy scene. scene. Yep. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, so Bond goes to meet Graves and this is where we say the name of the movie. Yes. Um, and done rather well too. Rather well. Yeah. Uh, because it's like Bond saying, I, I, I'd prefer to die another day or no, he or goes, you'll die, I guess um, you'll die another day or something like that. No, he goes. So, or when he, cause he's hiding in the office Yeah. and when Graves walks in, he just kind of flips down a little folder or something that was kind of like half disguised in him. Like you knew somebody was there. He doesn't know who. Um, and I'm pretty sure Graves knew it too. Cause Graves was like, yeah, I know he's there. Um, <clears throat> but Bond kicks it down and goes, so you live to die another day, Colonel That's or it, whatever man. it was. That's it. And he's like, oh, so you finally figured it out, Bond. <laughs> it took you long enough. We've been yeah. so close this whole time and you never knew. Yeah. Uh, so they have a conversation I, I like, back and forth. Well, I was going to say, I like how in the Pierce Brahman movies, as far as we've kept up, because I know we miss it in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. But um, the movie titles in the Brosman block are referred in a very well-written way. Very That's fun way. Yeah. It's not campy it's not like dun 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 well it's, it is it's more, campy but it's not but it's not campy. like campy campy yeah. yeah you know it's not like hey there's the movie title let's set it up all right cool all right we're good no it's yeah. like he does it um or not just bond but like they're put into a way where it's like whether it be like a golden eye which was the reference to the satellite or yeah. uh, so you live to die another day or you know, the world's not enough. Like those, mm-hmm. those kind of things where it's like, it's done in a way 
that you catch it, but it's not like, oh, okay. No. Like, it's not shouting at me, but it's enough that I, it's like, it's a little bit more subtle. It's not, it's not the head turn, look at the camera and say the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but from here, Graves and Bond have a brief little chit chat and we see Frost shows up from behind and Bond's like, that's right. Now it's two on one. Frost mm-hmm. shows up and pulls a gun on Graves and Graves asks Bond a very interesting question. Did you ever find out who my contact was that betrayed you in North Korea? And Bond's like, no, but I will soon. And then Miranda Frost mm-hmm. turns the gun on Bond. She was the bad guy all along. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like this whole movie is like an episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> Where everyone's like, you're, you're just constantly pulling masks off people. And it's like, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that damn, you know, those damn kids and that <laughs> dumb bond. You know, it's just a Scooby-Doo episode. It's ridiculous. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so the gun gets turned on bond from by Miranda Frost. She was the Western contact who betrayed him uh, in North Korea. Bond immediately attempts to shoot Frost. Props to the quick shoot first, ask questions later motif. I get it. I like it. But Mm -hmm. as we mentioned earlier, that was foreshadowing. During their previous night's sexy time, she had emptied his gun the night before. Yep. You know, get it. She emptied your gun. You can use that as an excuse if you want, Bond. But you are an international spy. The first thing you should have done before sitting in the man's office waiting for him to show up is check to make sure you had bullets in your gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First thing you should have done, sir. I mean, just you, saying. You know, it's, it's, just saying. You know, I mean, you, you can't even sit there and say, oh, well, she's a spy. You know, I had my bed or I had the gun in bed with us the whole time and she handed me the gun as a good fellow spy would. No, no. no. Just, I you, mean, you don't trust like that. You, you, you're a spy. You don't trust like that. Yeah, you I was gonna say, if you look, look at like Michael Weston from Burn Notice. I mean, he was constantly checking his gun and cleaning it like five, six times in a row. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what a spy does. That was just because he was OCD, Jordan. I just figured he was bored <laughs> half the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Bond's gun's empty, and we see uh, Jinx. We cut to Jinx arriving at Frost Room, where she, the doors close behind her, and she's immediately trapped. Uh, Frost, we cut back to Miranda Frost, who asked Bond to hand over all of his toys and Bond hands off, hands off all of the gadgets, you know, the watch, you know, a few other blah, 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 whatever, except the secret Sonic ring, which apparently Mm -hmm. Frost was not aware was a current active agent gadget. Mm -hmm. So as, as they're preparing, as Miranda's given the order from the Colonel Gustav, well, Gustav, formerly the Colonel. To kill Mr. Bond, he activates the sonic ring, shattering the glass floor, floor beneath them, and escapes using yep. Jinx's entry point. Yeah, I was going to say, that was one of the things, like, if you paid close attention, like, when she was saying hand over the gadgets and he started, like, taking off the watch and all, he reaches for his hand and to, 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 to almost to grab the ring to pull it off. 
but she's in her little, little monologue thing, and so is um, Graves talking about killing him. That instead of taking the ring off, that's when he's kind of like he's kneeling down and spins it and puts his hand down real quick. It's kind of like he was starting mm-hmm. to pull it off, but they were too busy talking, and he's like, "Oh, here's my opportunity. Go!" It's like Take now or never. Now. <laughs> so, um, but I thought that was kind of a interesting. Whether she realized it was a gadget or not, I don't know. But like it, you could tell, like Bond's character was kind of like in the process of taking off like it was a gadget, but at the same time using it. So it was like a quick, yeah. but I thought it was kind of neat. Um, once Bond escapes the facility using Jinx's entry point, he uh, promptly hijacks the rocket car that we saw Gustav arrive in mm-hmm. earlier and takes off across the frozen tundra. Gustav is, is very unconcerned and um, uh, requests to br- brings in General Moon, a.k.a. his daddy, who don't know it's his daddy. It's a baby daddy mama situation right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell just came out of my mouth. I, I don't either. <laughs> Felt like I had a stroke for a second. The <laughs> <laughs> general moon comes in to watch the true power of the Icarus space program. As Gustav locks on to Bond's unique heat signature. They make a clear point of saying that for some reason. And the beam of light part? emanating from the sun slash satellite chases Bond off of the edge of a cliff where he hooks the car and and him and the rocket car dangling from the edge of the cliff. But that's not enough for old Gustav. Gustav orders the Icarus to, I, I said order it like it's a person. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he controls it. Controls the Icarus. Icarus, go Bond. <laughs> go, go, go Gadget, Icarus. <laughs> I figured you were going to treat it like uh, one of those assistants, like AI assistants. Yeah, it's, uh, instead of instead of Alexa, Icarus, please kill Bond. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bing. Can I do that at this time? <laughs> Bing, killing Bond in progress. Thank you, Icarus. Wait a few seconds. Wait a few seconds. <laughs> Bing. I regret to inform you that Icarus is unable to kill Bond at this moment. Please try again later. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> Icarus. God damn Icarus. Never wants to work when you need it, right? This is why Icarus is not at Q-Bridge. <laughs> um, but Gustav is using Icarus to melt off the edge of the cliff because for, he seems to know Bond's there. <laughs> yeah, we can't just destroy him. We're just going to cut off the whole cliff because cool. that's better to do. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, another Bond... one of those bad uh, Bond villain moments, moments. where it's like, hey, yeah. we keep on this course. We are guaranteed to kill Bond. Nah, let's deviate and do a different let's way. We want to give Bond not. a chance to, to maybe survive. It's so unsportsmanlike, it. right? Right? You know? Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bond is is uh, hanging from the rocket car, pulling out the parachute and the trunk lid from the car. And as the the cliff is is burnt off and falls into the ocean, we see Bond survives via parasurfing to escape on the the trunk of the car and and a parachute. Surfing's back in style. Really bad CGI. Huge yeah. waves. Bad Bond CGI. It goes on way too long. Um, did not like that scene at all. No, it was kind of pointless. They could have done something better for it. Yeah, they could have filled out another 20 seconds so much easier. Uh, and we cut to uh, Frost and Zhao who go to antagonize Jinx for 
absolutely no reason. Yeah, completely pointless. They they go to her room, which she's trapped in and can't get out of, and say, "Ha ha! You should know I'm real. I'm the real bad guy, and this guy that you were all after is actually my partner in crime." And then they leave. Yeah, they, and then they leave. That's that's it. But and even at that point, it was pointless because they like they open the door and Jinx like kicks kill, uh, Mr. Kill or whatever his name is, and then Miranda's like. Does her little like oh oh whatever 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 and then locks the door. Yeah, and even even uh, Jinx was like, okay, what just happened? It was so comple- confused, completely bizarre, and for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Uh, but from here, we cut to Bond clotheslining and hijacking a po- poor snowmobile henchman. Uh, we know he has a history of doing this in many many movies before. <laughs> yeah. So it's neat to see that that you know old habits die hard. Yeah, it um, was it was interesting to watch. As Bond snowmobile, snowmobiling back to the uh, back to the base, he watches as a plane lands, and we see Zhao mentioned for some reason. We have one hour to wrap this up, uh, which is pretty much what I felt when he said it. That's what I thought about the movie. I'm like, you guys got about an hour to wrap this shit up <laughs> before I just I'm just done with it. And and we're already like what what in the movie right now we're like an hour and a half into the movie currently. Yeah, we're a little past the halfway mark. If I'm not yeah, we're like an hour and a half in right now, and I'm like, I'll give you an hour tops to wrap this up, Zal. I'm with you, tops. I'll give you an hour to wrap it up. <laughs> we see Bond once Bond Bond gets back to base. He remote control drives his vehicle his invisible car back towards him, and hops in while he's using scanners to try and pick up on on Jinx's, Jinx's location. location. Another snowmobiler crashes right into the back of the the invisible Aston Martin, <laughs> flipping him over the hood, um, immediately <laughs> alerting Zhao. Yeah. And, and this begins a, 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 a snow car chase with Zhao using thermal imaging to track him. So essentially, this shooting is the first him time. Until his, his invisibility goes away. And I was going to say, essentially, this is the first time we see a villain gadget car. Yes. That's on par with Bond. It's almost like they stole this car from Q-Labs, but like a different branch because it wasn't an Aston Martin. It was one of those, just like most of Q's gadgets, it was one of those, the car was designed specifically to counteract Bond's car. Yeah, it was designed for a very, very specific purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, we can't just use this on anything we want. Like, this is... The anti-Bond car. <laughs> this is only if Bond shows up and only if he shows up in an invisible car. No yeah, other reason will we use this car. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. If it's, We can't just drive around because it looks cool because it's a Jaguar. No. <laughs> but this begins the ice car gadget fight, and this was the scene I was referring to in the beginning where they every freaking gadget on Earth is used in this fight. Oh, yeah, even the uh, injector seats. It's crazy. Ejector seat used to dodge a missile. Invisibilities used. Self-targeting machine guns used. Rockets are used. Everything's used. It's insane the amount of gadgets that are used in this fight. Uh, we do cut back briefly to onboard the plane where uh, Gustav act- activates Icarus again and begins melting the hotel to drown Jinx inside. Now, question. Mm-hmm. What happened to literally all of the other guests? Well, they were all being evacuated. What? They were all being evacuated. Yeah, but 
what, we never see anybody. <laughs> like, where? What happened to them? Where'd they go? Um, I like think overnight. They put out a, a, um, yeah, I think there was like a, a newsletter or something to put out where everyone could check out because the event was over. Yeah. Uh, Jinx didn't get it. She was locked in her room uh, the whole time. So, like, as everyone okay. started evacuating right. and exiting, um, and actually, I think this was like during the good parts. But then when Icarus malfunctioned and started melting the building, I think there was even a scene or two where they all start kind of panicking, and then they're all just gone. They just disappear. It's a magical thing. So, I wish I could move <clears> that fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> But I did learn something very, very quickly about ice palaces during the scene, though. They flood very fast. (laughs) Because Jinx goes from an inch of water to barely being able to, like, the top of her room, gasping at her last breath, within all of about two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Give or take. But uh, the funny part was... Her room was filled up with a lot of water, and a lot of the other places while they're doing this chasing in were the hotel bone was dry. not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things were wet because it was melting, but her room was flooded more uh, than any of the other rooms. Yeah, rather rather ridiculous. Um, but there's a lot of chasing back and forth. I don't want to get into it too much. It is, it is a very yeah. long car chase. And while some it of the was. cool gadget scenes, I, I, I enjoyed certain parts of the cool ga- you know, the gadget car fight, um, it did go on too long it went on way too long for me it was it was way longer than the um parking lot scene from tomorrow never dies yeah yeah the parking lot scene was like the perfect chase scene sequence for me yes Uh, the perfect length of time at least well and this was almost like two chases into one because they were chasing out in the open for a while and then they like took the chase inside the yeah and that was just a little too yeah. much. And there was a lot of back and forth during all this, too. So they had cut it down a little bit, made it its own separate scene. It probably would have been a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and essentially, like, after all this chasing, machine guns and rockets, and, you know, Bond was on the roof of his car, uses the ejector seat to float back over. After all of that, what finally finishes it is, like, Bond and them are racing through the building because he's trying to find Jinx. He finally, like, slides sideways at the, you know, like a dead end. And... Again, another one of those gadgets that only works for this specific moment. Uh, Zal's like, all right, psh, pitchforks on the front of the car. We're going to ram you now. And Bond's like, oh, uh, camouflage works. Spikes through the tires. Go invisible. I'm going to back up so you can't see me. And Zal's just going to go through the ice and drown himself for no reason at all. And then Bond's fine, and he goes all the way back down because apparently he was on the wrong floor to get Jinx to begin with, and shoots a chandelier while driving by, and which, that uh, falls and kills Zhao. Yeah, after everything Zhao's been through, and that's it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he goes back to the ground floor, but I'm pretty sure Jinx was on like one of the other floors to begin with. I don't. Yeah, I, it's <clears throat> it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, he kills Zhao with that chandelier, and Bond busts through the door of the room and rescues Jinx at the last minute. But she's which, unconscious. So what does he do? I'm sad about. I'm sad about that scene. Rather than trying to wake her up immediately, he drives to a hot water spring. Which again, where? How? Uh, Why? It's part of the, it's part of the ice diamond. <laughs> um, drives to a hot water spring and jumps in to resuscitate her. Ice diamond. Diamond mind. Did you realize what I said? I'm sorry. <laughs> It's part of the diamond mind. His little... Uh, it's okay, Jordan. I didn't stop you because that made about as much sense as this movie does. <clears throat> oh, so no, it's that's very good. true. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that I can't talk. 
<laughs> um, once once she she you know comes back to, we cut immediately to a U.S. command post in South Korea, where Bond and Jinx meet with M and Falco again, and Bond and Jinx are sent into North Korea to get graves. This is uh, that this was the scene when they walk in that I was referencing earlier. You hear M talking to what was the guy's name? Falco. Falcon. Falcon. Falco. Falco. Um, yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, you kept track of it. I didn't. It was just that the NSA guy that was there. Um, M makes a comment about had you have told us that they were on the same fencing team together, we would have put two and two together. I'm like, how did you not know your own agent was yeah. on the same fencing team as the Mark for three years? Yeah, you should have researched your people better. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, yeah. Bond met Dangerous them at the Dinge. fencing team. I love you to death, but you should have researched your people better. Yeah, so you, you, you I, really that was another have. one of those. I'm like, really? That made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, you should was, have known something was going on. That was one of those WTF moments as well. Um, but anyway. I think uh, that was a line that was probably originally cut from the script, but I just put it in because that seems <laughs> like, oh, hey, you know, we filmed it. Let's just throw it in there. It looks good. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe they should have cut it. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, Jinx and Bond are sent into North Korea to get graves, and they use switchblade, sky parachute thingy, mabobbers, stealth switchblade, stuff. Switchblade, yeah. Yeah. Air gliders. That's, that's put them like Which are in there for, for, for no reason, just because they look cool. No point of other than that of putting this in the movie. The only time we ever see them. No reference to them anywhere yeah, it's before cool, or like, after. Hey, we're super spies. We can do cool stuff. I guess so. Um, and a missile is launched at the Icarus space station, which it promptly, promptly destroys before the missile can get anywhere near. Yeah, yeah. Like Showing that like, this oh, we got this covered. Is capable of self defense. Uh, back at the North Korean air base, we see Bon and Jinx lining up a shot with a sniper rifle on Graves as he gets, you know, gets a, a, is getting closer and closer to the plane. They had the perfect shot, but a dumb truck obscures their view, Mm-mm. and they're like, "Well, that was our only chance. We got to get on that plane." So they race and they run and they chase down this plane. The guards that were on the ground are magically not there anymore. <laughs> they're gone. They just got to clear the runway for takeoff. <laughs> uh, they race to get on the plane before it takes off, and they manage to get on board. Meanwhile, back on board, Graves finally reveals his evil Iron Man suit. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. With epic level blue sunglasses. <laughs> yes. And summons his father, the general, and reveals himself. As his son proceeds to show off Icarus by exploding the minefield on the Korean border. And is basically a giant, look at me, look at me, Poppy. Are you proud of me? Are you proud of me, Father Dearest? I love you so much. You were always so hard on me. And I, I know I betrayed our culture by becoming the white German man. But it's okay. I did it all for you, Father. I did it all for you because I love you. And all I really want is a hug. That's all I really want. I don't want world domination. I just want a hug. I want you to be proud of me. I, Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I will take a brief interruption to remind any parents out there listening. I don't have kids, but love your children. Give them a hug every once in a while. Because if not, they may go face off style and change their entire look and attempt to take over the world. Just, just so you'll be proud of them. I, I, I still think you're looking a little too far into that. No, I'm not. I get it. Next. I get it. <laughs> but essentially, all he wanted to do was rule Korea together as one. Not North and South. Just make it one Korea and yeah. rule it all. Yeah. So his father would be proud of him. 
so his papa would love him. Yes, little little. Uh, I already forgot his name. Little little moon. You know, you got big moon. General moon is the papa, and you got little moon, aka new moon or waxing moon or waning moon. Whichever phase of the moon is the smaller one. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I think I broke every Jordan. Moon except for the full moon. <laughs> All right, so not full moon. What do you want from me, Jordan? <laughs> um, anyway, back aboard this plane before this train goes off rails any more than it already has. <laughs> um, after the good old poppy conversation, Bond and Jinx are sneaking about the plane, just straight up murking people. Uh, everyone on this plane is dead by the time they get to where they go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jinx proceed, goes down and takes control of the pilot position. And we cut back up where Poppy refuses to accept Little Moon as his true son. And that he betrayed <laughs> the culture and the values that he raised him for. And pulls a gun <laughs> on Gustav. But Gustav instead takes the high road and embraces his father in a hug but not before electrocuting him and then shooting him in slow-mo to death again for no reason <laughs> a slow-mo death scene which was very reminiscent i actually you know what hindsight i actually like the slow-mo death scene i don't but i kind of do because it reminded me a lot of like um very uh, uh, uh chinese like kung fu inspired moment where, you know, it's it's like I can imagine if if Gustav was the good guy, this would be the scene where his father dies in his arms and he swears vengeance upon the man that killed his father. You know, that yeah. was what this scene was, only reversed because he killed his own father. So, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was that kind of kind of that scene. Um, <clears throat> Either way, it was still an interesting scene. But ladies and gentlemen, it's very important. This next moment is very important because while all of this was going on, James Bond was watching from the shadows and he attempts to pull out his gun. Well, he pulls out his gun. He doesn't attempt to. That gun's out. Yeah, he, was, he had it. He attempts to shoot Graves, but a soldier comes from his right side at the last minute and knocks his arm away. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you three guesses who that soldier was. First two don't count. I'll wait. No. No. No, it wasn't Bill. That's right. That's right. It was Frank, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Frank Joseph P. Henchman third. He is back, and he is back with a vengeance. I forget, not going to lie, what Frank did in the last movie, because that movie was long and boring as well. Jordan, will you please remind your your very, very prepared friend, Eric, five percent what frank did last week <laughs> five, the five percent um i'm trying to remember what frank did last week. too late too. what frank is doing this week ladies and gentlemen frank whatever he did in the last episode whatever he did with his life in the past he found solace and comfort working for the north korean government that sounded very strange to say out loud Solace and comfort working for the North Korean government. But you know what? Jordan, you can stop looking. I'm moving on with the Frank story now. It's okay. I, t well, I didn't write it down because you always uh, kind of make it up with what works better. I completely <laughs> you're, forgot. You're 5%, but I'm just trying to remember the movie and where we threw him in at. 
But anyway, Frank had, had, had found solace and comfort working for the North Korean government. He was tired of working for, you know, small-time drug dealers and psychopathic scientists and, and international terrorists and all these, other, all, all these other characters he's worked for in the past. He wanted comfort. But unfortunately, when you've been an international henchman for as long as Frank has... You can't work for the American government. You can't work for the English government. You can't work for any government other than the North Korean government. Just really quick to, to let you know, <clears throat> uh, the last we saw Frank, he was in one of those like hover snowmobile parachute things. Ah, indeed. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Heard. So I'm not even going to try and connect that because I'm already too deep in my Korean story. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> So Frank's working for Korea. Let's speed this up, guys. Five percent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Frank's working for the Korean government. He gets on the plane. He's transporting his his boss, Gustav Grays, who he doesn't understand is a you know why a white man is is a colonel in the North Korean army either. <laughs> Nobody else does. Never do we get an explanation why Gustav Graves is somehow walks in and is immediately accepted by all of these Korean generals. Zero explanation on that. Because <laughs> there's no way they believe that that's the, real, that's the original colonel. No way. What, Zal's backing him up? Zal's already halfway white as it is. You know? That's true. Zal, well, they're not going to believe they Zal. They at least know who Zal is. That's true. They can recognize you. He's still recognizable. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, this is not about them. This is about Frank. So Frank works hard. He's in the airplane. He's 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 helping transport this yet another world-ending device from one of his boss's crazy schemes. But his mission at the end of the day is to protect his employer. I mean, they're buttering his bread and he's making him bring home the bacon, giving him that paying him that cheddar. How many more food-related analogies for money can I make? <laughs> I'm out. That was three. That's it. That's all I got. That's my three cat. strikes are out. Three strikes. I'm out. But anyway, he's on this plane. He's going along doing his normal thing. Normal day in the henchman world. Yeah, there's a giant laser beam outside, but he's seen he's seen worse. I mean, he's he's been doing this game for 40 years now, so he's just kind of used to it. So he's strolling about this plane. He's going to check in with his boss to see how everything's doing, and he cuts the corner, and who does he see? None other than James Bond. Lining up a shot. That was a very pregnant pause because I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Lining up a shot on his boss, Gustav Graves. And Frank goes, oh, hell no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not again. I will sacrifice myself to save the man that's buttered my bread caused me to bring home the bacon paid me that cheddar insert other food relay reference here so frank right before bond fires the gun frank knocks bond's arm out of the way causing bond to shoot his gun into the window of the plane depressurizing the vessel causing all sorts of people to get pulled out of the window frank among them. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Joseph P. Henchman III sacrificed himself and was sucked out of the window 
of this big plane with a giant laser outside of it by James Bond. Dude, my brain right now is spinning at a, it's a hamster wheel going a million miles an hour, but that hamster is dead. (laughs) You were like going and then you stopped. Like, where are you going with this? Is that, was that where you're leaving Frank? That was where the, that was where the hamster died. (laughs) (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for this. Very con- your patience on this exceptionally convoluted rantings of a madman story of Frank Joseph P. Hitchman the third, once arrested, twice married. Wait, once married, twice arrested, <laughs> three or four kids. We forget. Well, it's actually he got back with his wife and split again a second time. So I, we've discovered something. So, ladies and gentlemen, join us next week for the follow up on Frank, whether Frank lived or died in that moment of, of ultimate sacrifice and ultimate honor that he achieved to save his boss, Gustav Grays. Join us next week for that. Um, but before we go any further, I would like to uh, share a r- revelation I just had that um, it's like the, the old Tootsie Pop commercials. And, you know, the Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Oh, yeah. So uh, I have a shirt that has that saying on it. Yeah. Well, we need to make a shirt that says, you know, Mr. Jordan, how many Bond movies in review does it take for Eric to lose his fucking mind? <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised you haven't done it a lot sooner. The answer is 20. <laughs> we have found the answer. You almost made it to the end. I almost made it. <laughs> before i went off the deep end and started ranting like a madman that needs to be committed at the next possible moment anyway <laughs> so, cabin depressurizing causes all sorts of chaos uh, people flying out the windows but no plane goes crazy yeah plane goes crazy starts <clears throat> crashing down uh <clears throat> jinx now, is having a hard time controlling the plane she's trying to pull it up at the last minute Bon and Graves are fighting, kicking each other in the face, holding on for dear life, doing all sorts of stuff in the in the area. And Jinx finally is able to relevel the plane. Just as a sword comes and lands on her shoulder. Indeed. That's and right. Who is it? It's Miranda Frost. That's right. And this essentially kicks off two different fight scenes, which I kind of thought was awesome. I think it was a good play with character builds and all that. But you have the girls in a sword fight. And you have the guys in um, a game of fisticuffs. Indeed. It's a bit of back and forth, too. It's a good fights on both parts. The, both it was, yeah. parts, though. Um, but when Miranda Frost pulls the sword on Jinx, she turns on the autopilot and sets the course to head into the Icarus beam. Mm-hmm. During this fight back and forth, the plane flies through the beam and causes m- major damage on the aircraft. And this aircraft somehow manages to stay in the air for another 20 minutes. <laughs> it just stays yeah. in the air forever. Uh, Frost and Jinx have a awesome ninja sword final fight, like a bit of a Mortal Kombat moment, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's also a Bond and Graves final fight going on at the same time. Uh, Jinx manages to kill uh, Miranda Frost with a, one of her daggers in a book of Art of War which was rather ironic. Yeah, and I, there was a, some type of comment that was used, too, 
I, I can't remember exactly what it was. But Miranda it was, was like, like Miranda was like, you know, I can pre- I can I can I can I can predict your every move. Oh, blah, I can blah, read blah, your blah. every move. Read That's every what move. it was. Yeah. And then stabs Jinx her with said, the, like, read this. The art of war and and, and says, you know, read this. Stabs her and kicks her in the chest and then and yep. it has a great moment of good use of bitch. Yeah. I, good use of the word bitch. I I, I will appreciate that. Harsh terse if you will but now even with all of that and that was a good scene i do really like what comes of bond and uh, graves's battle yes they're fighting back and forth frost has graves oh, oh wait <laughs> <laughs> wrong one i say graves electrocutes bond grave has, has bond on the ropes by electrocuting him using his awesome self-defense mechanism which was thrown in there just because someone wanted to do lightning special effects in final cut pro <clears throat> but bond's being electrocuted he's down on the ground he's on the ropes graves pulls out two parachutes tosses one out the window makes a whoopsie quip and puts mm-hmm. on the other one leans down over to Bond to make some intimidating statement and Bond pulls his chute jerking Graves out of the plane and he's holding on for dear life at the edge of the plane um, where Bond walks up and says some quip to him sets his own suit to electrocute himself and he falls off and is shredded by the engines of the plane yeah I didn't even write the quip down I just said Bond is pushes the button and mocks, <laughs> mocks him and he electrocutes himself exactly um, back at headquarters, MI6 is surveying the damage, and uh, we cut back to Bond and Jinx as they're escaping the plane. <clears throat> they make a last-minute escape from the back of the plane in a helicopter that falls out of the sky and manages to re- Bond manages to recover at the last minute, and the plane explodes. We cut to a case closed on the Miranda Frost file, sitting on Moneypenny's desk as Bond walks in. And they finally do what they should have done from the very beginning. Stop with the foreplay. Stop with the, the inner office flirty flirty. You know, you know you're not gonna actually live up to it. Bond walks in and kisses Money Pity square on the lips, clears her desk, and they prepare for sexy time. Mm-hmm. Psych. Nope, that's just Money Penny stealing the patented q labs bond vr experience what we didn't tell you in q time was the bond vr experience is not only a video game and military training simulator it's also virtual reality pornography so you can do whatever you want with the bond (laughs) vr experience (laughs) from here we has a couple remarks with that too indeed indeed um, Q even says something, and then I forget, uh, was it Q say something like, oh, it's rather hard, and Money Penny, oh, well, yes, it is. Yeah. And she's kind of like short breath, and Q just kind of stops and kind of looks and puzzles he's like, <laughs> with the answer she had. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <clears throat> uh, we then cut to a cozy cottage on an island with the helicopter parked in front as Bond and Jinx make sexy time in a bed of diamonds, which would be incredibly uncomfortable, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they, they noticed the diamonds were on the helicopter as they were falling. Just looks behind and goes, oh, well, at least we got all the diamonds or something. At least we'll die rich, I think is what That's she what said. That's what it was, yeah. like that. Uh, making sexy time on a bed of diamonds and they make various sexual quips back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we fade to credits. The end. I'm gonna die <laughs> another day. Uh, I'm gonna die <laughs> another day. So this is the end of Die Another Day. Um 
Bond will return. Next one is Casino Royale. Kick off a new block. Daniel Craig. Can't wait. Been looking and forward it, to getting back to that. And essentially a reboot. So yeah. It yeah. Is I a, mean, it's, it's, it's a reboot it's of Bond. A, it's yes. a reboot of Bond. Which so. I know I really enjoyed when Casino Royale was coming out. The fact that it was going back to the, you know, yeah. Which is the original first time. Like every, all of these other Bonds basically take place in the same cinematic universe, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I can't wait when we get into Casino Royale because I really liked the approach. I mean, yes, it was a reboot, but they, it's, well, I mean, we'll get into it when we get to that movie, but it's like the beginning of Bond, which I really mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with that, obviously we've talked throughout this whole movie about how we had our ups and downs with this movie. Uh, the first half was really, really good. Second half, not so much. Either there were things we really liked and there were things we really didn't like about this movie, uh, but it was a very mixed type movie to us yeah yeah it was a mix it was a mixed bag um this this movie is like the a single film representation of all of roger moore's movies and i say that by means of high highs and low lows but it's got a lot more low lows than it does high highs um so yeah it's pretty it's it's interesting man the first third of this movie had so much potential to see to for it to go somewhere completely different and it just it started as license to kill and it ended as moonraker i mean yeah that's yeah, which that's is, what it's sad did. but yeah. um all right well with that if you want to kick off trivia then we'll get into our rankings i know we're going to hit a little bit more on this movie in the ranking system it's trivia 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 time da 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 Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for Trivia Time for Die Another Day. Pierce Brosnan's final outing is James Bond. Trivia fact number one, the book that 007 picks up from the Cuban agent, along with the revolver, is titled A Field Guide to Birds of the West Indies, written by James Bond. Hmm. Ian Ian Fleming who was an avid bird watcher named the character of Bond after the real life author. I did not even pick up on that. <laughs> um, trivia fact number two, uh, and let's just beat this movie to the ground more. This is Pierce Brosnan's least favorite movie in which he appeared as James Bond. <laughs> ah, <laughs> let's kick a dead horse while it's down. Yeah. Trivia fact number three, Sir Roger Moore actively voiced his displeasure with this movie, citing the invisible car and the weak CGI as being a low for the franchise. <laughs> I remember really liking that car, too, when I, when I watched it when I was younger. Um, so did I. So did I. Does not hold up, however. And this is a fun trivia fact about uh, Halle Berry's character, Jinx, Johnson, Jinx Johnson. A spinoff was planned featuring Halle Berry's Jink jo- Jinx Johnson. That's a hard name to say. Yeah. As the lead, um, the writers wrote for two months, and there was even a director that was hired. However, after low box office performances for other female-driven action movies at the time, like Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, or Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, <clears throat> I mean, they weren't failures, but they were barely profitable at the box office. MGM pulled the plug on the project. So she never have a, never got a chance to have her spinoff. Uh, Halle Berry has said num- on numerous occasions she would love to return as Jinx in another Bond movie, and has allegedly said that she would do it. Do it. she enjoyed doing the role so much that she would come back for free? 
Um, I, th- I think she would, she would do a good like solo Jinx movie. I think she would yeah, do good on that. I think she'd I mean, do she, a good she, solo she action female spy in yeah. this one. Like I mean, her strengths is as a as an agent um, and all around. Uh, the love scene between Jinx and James Bond had to be trimmed t- trimmed of seven seconds in order to get the PG-13 rating into the United States. That's right. There are seven additional seconds of that hardcore sexy scene. That's the rated R version of Bond I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Makes you yeah. wonder what was actually in those seven seconds. Full penetration. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that's R or not like beyond R? Sure. <laughs> fact, next fact. Um, and this is kind of a fun, uh, fun touching moment as well. One of the extras in the fencing scene was Justin Llewellyn, son of Desmond Llewellyn, the former Q. Really? Mm-hmm. That is kind of neat. Next fact, the opening title sequence showing Bond's torture by North Korean jailers is the first sequence which first Bond intro sequence which is part of the story, not just a separate aesthetically pleasing designed title sequence. We mm-hmm. touched on that at the beginning. Uh, the budget for this movie, Pierce Brosnan's last Bond film was more than two and a half times the budget of his first movie Goldeneye. We'll say I'll say it again. We said it in Moonraker. Mo money doesn't mean mo better movie. Very true. Very true. Mo money does not mean mo better movie. Very very good movies out there that are done on low budgets. Indeed. Uh, next fact. This was the uh, yeah I was right. This was the last Bond movie to use the famous gun barrel sequence before the pre-title sequences. Um, <clears throat> In Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, the sequence was placed at the end of those movies. And in Casino Royale, it was a completely different version of the of the gun barrel sequence. However, in 2015, Spectre, they go back to the classic scene. I was like, Spectre's um, out of the Craig movies was the one I've seen more recently. And I, yeah. I was pretty sure that the gun sequence was yeah. in front of that so one. Spectre's the only one that has one at the beginning. Uh, next fact, this is one of the one of few James Bond movies to openly use alternate source music. In this case, The Clash's London Calling, and in previous movies, A View to a Kill used The Beach Boys' California Girls, which we referenced earlier as well. So those are the only two mm-hmm. movies to use non-original or non-Bond music at any point in the film. Uh, let's see. This movie released on the 40th anniversary of the James Bond franchise. Imagine that. James Bond franchise was 40 years old in 2002. Wow. And we're in 2020 right now. So that Bond, in two years, Bond will be 60 years old. I have to say, Frank's doing really well for himself. Frank's doing very well for himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this film was released on the 40th anniversary of the franchise, thus explaining why... The title logo of the movie, Die Another Day, is red. Or, yeah, the 40th anniversary is considered the ruby anniversary, which is why the title logo is red. Uh, Next film. Bond has suits and shirts made for him when he's at the Hong Kong Hotel by his quote-unquote usual tailor. This is a reference to Diamonds Are Forever in 1971, where Bond tells Tiffany he knows a good tailor in Hong Kong. Next fact. 
Zhao is the Zhao is the first Bond villain to have his own specially adapted car. Yep, a Jaguar XKR. Next fact: This became the first James Bond movie to be directed by a non-British director. Lee Tamahori is from New Zealand. And I wanted to end trivia time the way we began it with the Pierce Brosnan block. Much like GoldenEye was the first Bond movie to ever release on DVD, this was the first Bond movie to be ever released to to ever be released on a two disc DVD set. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> Didn't know that. Yep. <clears throat> Thought it tied into GoldenEye really well, and since we were wrapping up the the Pierce Brosnan block, just kind of a fun fact. Yeah. So that's it for trivia time, Jordan. It's it's uh it's good to see that some like the what you said uh the, the sun came back and all like that was kind of neat. Um <clears throat> but anyway, that being said, let's uh let's finish this up with our uh listings and then uh yeah, we'll we'll start with yours and then we'll go to villains. We already said throughout this whole movie that there's highs and lows to this movie throughout the whole thing. There's things we really liked about it, there's things we didn't like about it. And when we briefly talked over this beginning, we were having some trouble putting this on the list because the things that I really enjoyed made me want to put higher on the list, and the things that you didn't really enjoy made you want to put it lower on the list. And then when we started kind of comparing notes, we both kind of realized, like, eh, yeah, they, maybe it doesn't belong where we think it should. Yeah, I, I think we ended up settling in a, in a similar, loca- similar location. Um, so we'll start. Oh, actually, let me read the full list first. Uh, the list is as follows. Number one, GoldenEye. Number two, From Russia With Love. Number three, You Only Live Twice. Number four, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number five, Thunderball. Number six, License to Kill. Number seven, For Your Eyes Only. Number eight, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number nine, Goldfinger. Number 10, The Living Daylights. Number 11, Dr. No. Number 12, Tomorrow Never Dies. Number 13, A View to a Kill. Number 14, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 15, The World is Not Enough. The world is not enough. Number 16, Octopussy. Number 17, Moonraker. Number 18, Live and Let Die. Number 19, Diamonds Are Forever. That's a list. Five more to go. Five more to go. So yeah, like like Jordan said, we were talking before we were recording. We and I think we kind of settled on a on a on a good place for this one. Um, yeah, because I mean, this movie had all kinds of things. I mean, it had a, a decent story plot to a point, minus the father pleasing stuff towards the end. Uh, but just the fact of you know the main villains trying to Daddy, rule all of Korea. Yeah, um, we had a decent villain that was kind of like undercover for the longest time because bond didn't even realize who he was to the end you had a good henchman that was kind of like distracting bond the whole time um you had the undercover mi6 agent who you know was throwing bond under the bus obviously you had pierce brosman's bond who's still a good bond um gadgets were a little heavy on this one uh, but there were fewer, if that makes sense, because most of it was in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all around, it had a lot of the typical things we look at in the Bond movies. <clears throat> Halfway through the movie, the story kind of falls apart some, and that's what's what's really hurting it. So we said, I think we had talked briefly about somewhere towards, we, we said it was going to be under, under Tomorrow Never Dies, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies is number 12. 
we talked about a view to a kill we enjoyed more um, yeah i like that one a little better uh man with the golden gun as i think we were at because we we did say we liked this one better than the last movie the world's not enough yes so definitely like it better than the last one. world's not enough um so i guess where we're at is is it better than the man with the golden gun um and i mean i was kind of half and half sorry i was kind of like splitting hairs i kind of put them kind of close i i liked both for different reasons i did enjoy this one it was good paced um a lot going on the uh story did kind of fall apart towards the end and did kind of get a little rougher towards the end but all in all i, I probably put them a little close to each other so i mean like it's splitting hairs for me well, I mean, I'd be I'd be willing to compromise. You know, as I said before, like Man with the Golden Gun, I personally, uh, I I personally really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would compromise and put this just above it. But yeah. definitely not better than A View to a Kill. No, I, I liked A View to a Kill a little better. I think that one had a little bit stronger story yeah. and was all around a little bit better movie. So I guess that settles it. So the new number f- fourteen. Mm-hmm. Is die another day? Well, I was hoping this one would be kind of somewhere in the middle. So I guess if it stays in that area, it won't be too bad. All right. So now we got the villain list. So we'll read them off real quick because this is actually one thing we did not talk about before the show was the villains. Not that we really need to for in this scenario, but uh, we start off with number one, Goldfinger and Odd Job. Uh, two is Alec Chavani. As I always like to Chivani say. Chivani of Chivani's Italian restaurant. Uh, and Zena on a top uh, from GoldenEye. Get your yeah, parmesan linguine today. Sorry. Once I start on the, on the voice, I can't stop. Uh, number three, you have number two from Thunderball. Uh, four is Sanchez and uh, Dario from Lessons to Kill. Five is Stromberg and Jules from The Spy Who Loved Me. Six is Christasso's Lock Eric from For Your Eyes Only. Seven is Zorn and Mayday from A View to a Kill. Eight is the Spectre General and my favorite, Red from Russia with Love. Uh, Drax and Jaws at 9 from Moonraker. 10 is Blowfield from You Only Live Twice. 11 is Scaramanga and Knickknack from The Man with the Golden Gun. 12 is Carver and Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies. 13 is Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. 14 is Dr. No, self-titled movie. 15 is Blowfield, Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. 16 is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. 17 is Yurgi, Whitaker, and The Milkman from Living daylights sorry misread my, my notes there um 18 uh is king and renard from the world's not enough and then 19 is khan and gobinda from octopussy now these villains top them all right eric i will go ahead i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna go ahead and tell you right where i would put them listening to you do that list i would put them gustav and zal i liked better than um renard from last week i like yes. them better than king and renard last yeah. week who's who's in front of renard so that uh is yurgi whitaker and the milkman from they're the living not, they're not better than yurgi whitaker and the milkman no sad thing is i kind of like those guys a little better yeah. i i didn't think these guys were going to be high on the list i mean i liked the idea of graves or gustav or what do you want to call him um and zao i thought was a decent henchman Especially with his cool villain car and all that, like that was props to him, mm-hmm. and he put up a good fight against Bond. Um, so individually, under a different ranking, I could see them higher, but they just weren't strong villains. I mean, you knew they were the villains from the very beginning. There wasn't really much of a fight. Bond defeats him once, kind of like redefeats him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just they weren't menacing. Uh, even like we we talked about their overall plan to 
build a sunbeam or solar beam to make Korea one whole again. I mean, a lot of it was just kind of weak for a villain. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the only thing they had going for him is the fact that Graves faked his identity or faked his death and changed his identity and pulled one over on Bond till the end of the movie when it was, mm-hmm. you know, finally revealed, hey, the guy's still alive. So I give him small props that he had an MI6 agent working for him too, but really the props need to go to the MI6 agent for pulling a fast one over, you know, MI6. So, <laughs> again, uh, weaker villains in this movie, which yeah. I think could have hurt the movie uh, in its own way as well. Um, so if that's the case, that puts them at our new number 18 towards the bottom of this list. I think they were, bopping, one, of the, I think you know, they were one of the easiest ones to rank. To be honest with you, they really were. Like, as soon as you read that list, I was like, I know exactly where I would put these. Like it yeah, just. I mean, they like I said, I, I liked how the actor played Graves. I thought he did a really good job. The acting was great. On I, both it of was the, great. Both of yeah, I just think the villain was weaker. Yeah. Um, that that uh, that acting and that style of character would have been great in a different movie or with another story attached to it. Yes, you know? like like we said halfway through the movie, had they split into like two separate movies or something, yeah, they yeah. probably would have done a lot better. It, it felt like two different movies. It felt like it, it one really movie did. in the beginning and a completely different movie in the in the end. Um, so I mean that's that's our new list. I'm not gonna re- go back over since they're at the bottom or close to the bottom. Um. But I'm I'm just hoping that we do a little better with the Daniel Craig block. I'm hoping that they uh, rank mid to high levels, not well, all. But we've some. got a doozy coming up with Casino Royale, man. Um, because spoiler alert, like Casino Royale, before I started this review, was my number one Bond movie. Yeah. So we'll see if it stays up there. I mean, Golden yeah, I, Eye I and From you. Russia with Love are tough, tough competition. They they um, really are. But we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see because I haven't watched Casino Royale in a, in a while. Yeah, so it's, it's been we'll, a long time, and I've we'll been see. holding off because we've been doing bond reviews. I've been holding off going back. I wanted to go back and watch it in the very beginning, yeah. and you told me I wasn't allowed to. You can't, man. So yeah, now next, order. you know, next week I can. We have the opportunity. So, mm. uh, all right. Well, with that, we hope you all liked. Um, die another day. I'm gonna as die much as we did. Day. Highs and lows in one movie. You can't complain. <laughs> it, was, it was a good movie, right? Great movie. Uh, an, an enjoyable movie. We'll pull it that way. It was a very enjoyable movie, just not the best Bond movie. Um, but with that, Eric, I'll let you roll out the outro. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the final Pierce Brosnan film in his block of James Bond. I, My brain farted for a second. <laughs> Too much Frank uh, on your brain. Too much Frank on my brain. <laughs> uh, die another day. If you liked what you listened to on this episode, don't forget you can follow us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Who Do Presents. Best way to get in contact with us, best way to share your Bond list with us. We are 20 movies deep. We have one, two, three. We have four movies to go. Um, and I would like to five. take a moment uh, and make a special, uh, sp- special announcement for you guys. At the time of recording, it was recently announced that the No Time to Die, the 25th Bond movie, has been delayed from April until November. I just wanted to say that's not going to stop us. We're going to keep on rolling. We're going to keep on rolling through the Daniel Craig block. So next week, you will get Casino Royale. The week Mm -hmm. after, you'll get Quantum of Solace. We'll keep going through to Spectre. Yep, yep. So we'll just, uh, unfortunately, due to them, them delaying it, we had to... 
We can't exactly re- remove, remove review. God, I have having another <laughs> twenty movies breaks me, Jordan. It breaks me. Um, we can't exactly review a movie that's not out. Uh, but with that said, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this journey that is Bond written in review, and we hope you enjoy the final block featuring Daniel Craig as James Bond. All right. With that, till next time, um, everyone, watch Casino Royale if you're keeping up with us. Hopefully, you're excited to watch this one as much as we are. For all those out there who've cheated and watched it more recently than us, we hope you also enjoy this movie. And we will catch you next week in the review. <laughs> but you are cheaters. Just, but just you are full cheaters. disclosure. <laughs> we'll let it slide because it's a good movie. Or at least just this once. we think so this far. Um, but with that, again, this is Eric and Jordan. Until next time, let the credits roll. <laughs>